You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Joel Klatt joins us as he does each and every week. He is presented by Audi Flatirons. Good morning, Joel. Good morning. What's going on, guys? How are you? Oh, we're doing good. Hey, what, what bowl? How many bowl games? You what do you? What do you? What's, yeah, what's your, your schedule? schedule? <laughs> what is it uh, that you say you do right. <laughs> um, <laughs> once the season is over? Uh, yeah. So we've got the Holiday Bowl. That's the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. That's the only bowl game that we have. ESPN basically has everything else. I think CBS still has the Sun Bowl. Those are the only two bowls that are outside of like the the Disney family. So. Uh, Holiday Bowl, UCLA, North Carolina State, and San Diego on the 28th. Um, yeah, so that'll be good. And then after that, I'm already getting going for the draft, um, putting together some of my top five lists during the course of this week, uh, prospects, quarterbacks, watching a lot of film. So that's what I do, man. Speaking of which. I wouldn't say I've been missing work. <laughs> <laughs> We prefer to fire people here on a Friday. Um, you put out on Twitter yesterday your top five quarterbacks, and you had Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral at number one. Why? Well, it, he is incredibly gifted. Um, he's he's big. He's got a strong arm. He, he sees the field well. He can make all the throws. Uh, and then he's athletic enough to, to hurt defenses with his feet when, when he needs to. Um, I, I, I love watching him play. I think that he, he is the type of guy and player that I think is kind of a a good mix between the old and and the modern style of quarterback. You know, I, I think too often we get, um, into this position where a guy is either a pocket passer or, Oh, well, he's really athletic, so we've got to take a chance. And I think he's a good combination of, of, of the two. Um, and I think that he will have success in, in the league. Now, having said that, I will give a caveat out there. I, he would have probably been, and I haven't really gone back and, and actually, I have like this little ranking system that I use. He would not have been in the top probably four last year. I think that this is a down year for quarterbacks. So while I like Matt Corral and I like him a lot and I hope that he has a lot of success and I think he can, I I don't think that he is as good of a prospect as what we saw last year or or the year before, certainly. Tell me about the uh, Liberty quarterback. What do you have early, uh, the the Willis kid, the early – your early evaluation on him? Yeah, you have him fourth. Well, fourth he's on your just list. so gifted, Mark. Like when you when you watch him play, it's just like, oh my gosh! Like he's he's got every tool that you could possibly want to see. And and from that standpoint, the, the 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 raw ability is just so good that you you feel like you can teach him what he doesn't know. And and at some point, he's a type of player that just doesn't know what he doesn't know. And and so the upside is so tremendous. Now, if, if you're a team that needs something right now, I don't know if Malik Willis is going to be your guy, but if you're looking at somebody that could potentially develop into one of the top-tier you know, quarterbacks in, in the league, I think he's got that potential. It's not saying that he will get there or um, is, is absolutely a no-brainer, but, man, his, the, the gifts that he has, Mark, are 
oh gosh, I mean, it's it, you, you just sit there and marvel at him when you watch him. And so from that standpoint, the potential is off the charts, and, and it's going to be hard for some team to pass up. Let me ask you a question. I'm having a conversation with Dave Gettleman, the GM of the Giants, last week. Talking about Daniel. Yeah, he, he's done a nice job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not... It's been it's been a bit of a struggle, but talking about Daniel Jones and talking about, you know, the three or four games where he's throwing for 400 yards and, you know, the big time arm and talent and athleticism and, you know, and, and, you know, talking about the outlier stuff, right? The things that, you know, the, the top ceiling type of stuff and, and the juxtaposition between that and then what you see on a week-to-week basis for the most part, the mistakes, the redlining guys to the point where you're picking out one dude and you're never getting off that guy and, you know, the interceptions and the fumbles and the, you know, bad decisions when it comes to scrambling and all that stuff. Like, how do you how do you take the potential of ceiling, the, the top ceiling of a guy that, that has one of those one or two outlier games versus what you see on a consistent basis on film? So I, this is a this is a great question. Potential has gotten more guys fired mm-hmm. than anything in the league because it it clouds your ability to evaluate what's happening. And as a coach or a GM, what you see on film, you're either coaching or allowing, right? So those are a lot of like cliches to basically say. You have to evaluate day-to-day, and you have to to land on a question, is this player helping us win or not? I don't care what he could be in the future. You have to live in the present. Nick Saban's got a, a famous saying, and, and you know, obviously he wasn't the first to say this, but every one of his offshoot coaches, including Kirby Smart and several other guys, Steve Sarkeesian, who I've talked to, it's kind of a mantra of theirs is that you just got to be where your feet are at. Well, as a GM, you've got to be where your feet are at as well. And and you've got to understand what a player is doing to help you right now. And in particular, when a guy is starting to cross over that threshold from developing into, we need you to play well. For a quarterback, that's generally sometime in your second season. Whether that's fair or not, that's generally kind of that point. And so you've got to be where your feet are at and with clear eyes, evaluate what's sitting down in front of you what you're seeing in front of you. And, and I think with Daniel Jones, you, what you're seeing is, is the talent and the, the potential is starting to override what the evaluation is when you are where your feet are at. Like you said, there are basics of the position that have to be checked off. It is a prerequisite in order to get to the things that make you great. And I think any great player would tell you that. And it's also not lost on me that when you look at some of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, you wouldn't put them in a category of having, you know, the best arm or the skill sets that are intangible like that. Joe Montana was, guys, he was like the greatest game operator of all time. Brady doesn't have the skill set that you're just going to drool over. Even Manning, to a certain extent, did not have what we see other guys have. Now, that doesn't mean that You've got to go out and just draft guys based on the intangibles. I'm just, I'm just saying because clearly guys like Elway or Mahomes or, or or Rogers or Marino, they had these innate ability to throw the ball and have upside potential. But that potential was only realized once once they had the prerequisites of how to play the game properly in the first place. 
I want to go back to what you were talking about, your your quarterback listings and how you balance if you're looking for somebody to be able to play maybe right away versus uh, somebody that you're willing to be patient with. Out of these quarterbacks that you have listed, what kind of quarterback who best fits where the Broncos are right now? Well, probably a free agent quarterback, to be honest with you. But I'm talking about of, this, the- of this list. Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter. In that order, by the way, is how Kenny you have them It would be Kenny Pickett. So he's he's this year's, whether you want to call him a poor man version or not, but he's this year's version of of like a Burrow or a Mac Jones um, or a Baker Mayfield coming out of Oklahoma. Not that he's going to get selected up there, but I do think that he's going to be the, the quickest riser um, during the draft process in large part due to this conversation that we're having. He's more ready than the other guys. He's played more football. See, I think that the position is a, is a, is a reps position. The more reps you have, the better you are. And, and he's had a ton of them. So being an older guy and having played for so long in college football, you see him do things on the field that are, you know, for lack of a better term, just more veteran. They're more savvy. Um, so I think he's the type of guy that can come in and have success right away because he's more suited to do that. He's more prepared to do that from a schematic standpoint and, a, and from a rep standpoint. And I think that's where Denver is at. They need somebody to be a playoff caliber quarterback right away. Now, I, I want to make this very clear. I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be a play, playoff caliber quarterback right away. But of this group, he would be the most ready to contribute to an NFL team in his first year. So if, like Todd McShay yesterday, had a mock draft that had the Broncos taking Malik Willis, if that happened, your recommendation would be exciting prospect, tons of potential, but there's no way you'd want him to be the Broncos starter day week one next year. Well, not if the roster looks anything like what we've seen it look, you know, like this year, because... And guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I've got a, a really good beat on college football, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking. Denver's roster outside of the quarterback position is pretty damn good. I, I know I said that early in the year, and I felt like people looked at me with cross eyes. Like, I think it's a playoff roster. First of all, do you guys agree? Yeah, I think it's, I think that it's, I think that it's good. I think you've got a couple of, of areas that, like, for instance, for me, you know, inside position, guard, center, guard. I think there's some question marks there. And so, you know, it it, it, it basically makes it, as you know, as a quarterback, you want to have that ability to step up, to feel that pocket. You know, when you hitch, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you know, you're, the odds are is you're not going to let – the number one receiver get into that second window. You're off of that guy because you have that feeling of, man, this thing is collapsing around me. So I think there's a couple of those. The other thing that I think is interesting, Joel, is when you look at the Broncos, and I know they've invested a lot in wide receivers, I just don't see the outside guys winning enough. You know, I see a lot of three wide receiver sets where the inside guy, Jerry Judy, gets bracketed and the outside guys get eaten up. But, you know, if it's a you know, if you're you're split out wide as an X, that that cornerback is essentially taking inside leverage, forcing you to the sideline, and you're not winning your routes. Um, yeah. So that that's a that's an issue for me with this team. I I do, I do think that the holes on this team are not so egregious that they couldn't be a playoff contender. I mean, heck, mm-hmm. they they kind of are 
as we speak, and this is not a season what, which we would write home about. And some of those holes I feel like can be and hopefully will be fixed through draft and free agency. But the biggest issue, I think, is is having the quarterback position solidified. And I think we all know that going forward in, in this league, you've got to be solidified at that position, and in particular in this division. So, you know, <laughs> if they drafted Malik Willis, I would look at it with cross eyes, to be honest with you. I would just be like, huh, what? I It, it wouldn't fit where Denver was at. You know, if the if the Giants or Jets or someone like that wanted to, and I'm, I, listen, I know that those teams have quarterbacks, but I'm just saying if, if if organizations that were in more of a rebuild mode drafted Malik Willis, I would understand it. I would not understand it if I was Denver. You know, I think one of the things that, that scares people off when you talk about Pickett and saying the most ready going into the National Football League right now they harken back to 2018 when Josh Rosen was the most ready quarterback coming into the NFL based upon reps and based upon all those things. So I think that's what scares people off. Why do those guys that have the reps, why do those guys that, that are the most ready sometimes are like a guy like Rosen, why, why did it not work out? Well, I think that there's a, a number of reasons why they, they don't work out and, and, for the Rosen example, which is a great one, you do have the the Mayfield, Burroughs, and Mac Jones example as well. Mm-hmm. Now, those guys have turned out to be incredibly talented, but they have elevated the play of their organization um, since they got into the room. And, and you can even say that with New England based on what happened a year ago and where they're at this year. And I know that they're playing great defense, and, I mean, winning the game, throwing three passes is incredible, but you, you kind of get what I'm saying. I, I think – Fit has so much to do with it. You know, there are there are rare instances in which a quarterback or any player is going to come in and have a lot of success regardless of fit. And and Rosen got caught in a bad situation where all of a sudden he's a member of a team that gets a new coach who wants to go in a different direction, who wants to select a different quarterback. And now, once you move on from that team, then you're no longer – on the list of, of, of players that that GM is incentivized to give every possible chance to, you know, so <laughs> once you're not on your original team, it becomes very difficult. Um, and so you become somewhat of a victim of circumstance. And I think that's in, in part what happened to Josh Rosen, because there's no, listen, if he has the same coach year over year and, and continues to play, I don't think that you can convince me that he was an abject failure as much as a victim of circumstance. And I think that that fit and circumstance um, is generally where you see guys fail in the NFL at this position. And I know that some of them just can't play and you see that, but you know, fit has so much to do with it, Mark. And so you've got to make sure that you're getting the right guy who is in the right system, who can see the right things and that you're going to have some, uh, stable community of assets around him as he begins his NFL career. Visit with Joel Klatt, our weekly visit with Joel, presented by Audi Flatirons. All right, quarterback, you need to uh, break the tie here, as Mark and I have been bickering slash squabbling, debating all week. Mark believes that you can have an above-average scoring offense in the NFL dependent on a dominant run game. 
I claim that the running game matters, but if you want to score and win ultimately in this league, you score to pass, you score, uh, you pass to score, you pass to win. How do you see it? Mm. Great debate. Great debate. It depends on the level of dominance that Mark is talking about. Like, I don't think that you can have a great scoring offense if you're just like a good to even like somewhat, you know, great running team. But if you're a dominant running team, when you can run it successfully, regardless of numbers in the box, regardless of game situation, then yes, you you can be an above average scoring offense with a dominant run game. But if you're not a dominant run game, and I'm talking about, by the way, like not just leading the league that year, meaning like for that generation, you're a dominant run game like the Broncos were in the late 90s. Uh, like at times Tennessee has been with Derrick Henry, uh, like Baltimore was with Jamal Lewis. Um, you, I think that you can do it that way. But if you don't have that dominant of a run game, then you are going to need to have the ability to throw the ball with a lot of efficiency in order to score the points necessary to be an above-average scoring offense. Yeah, he sided with me. No, he didn't. Yeah, because, because you just said how difficult and how unsustainable it is. No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. No, he didn't. Wait, and by the way, by Joel, the way, well, he's, yeah. taking, he's also, taking. I also gave you three examples of where it happened. Yeah, yeah but so in, in, in the last like, right. there, but you, you have in to the last have, like twenty five years. Right, but you have to have you have to to have a uh, an efficient, really good passing game. You've got to have an above average quarterback. And what I'm saying is, here in Denver, you don't have that. So you damn well better be able to run the ball if you want to score. Here's the point, though, Joel. Mike wanted to work on the passing game yes. last week. Yes. He wanted to work on the pass. He said, hey, once they got a two-touchdown lead, then scrap pile what they were doing and work on the passing whoa, game whoa, because whoa. we Not need to so. throw the ball better. Here's what I so said. That, you, you wanted to now turn a game into practice. Here's what I said, Joel. It's I said, unbelievable. And I, was, and I was quoting from the book of Stink where I said, all I hear from you offensive linemen is if you run the ball – effectively, that creates all kinds of chances for explosives with play action in the pass game. And my point was, with a Bronco team that is struggling in their passing game, especially with their wide receivers, and knowing what's coming up over these next four weeks, I thought they missed an opportunity to try to take more chances in the passing game once they had built that 24-10 to lead on the back of that dominant running game against Detroit. Well, I see, I, I do... I. I squirm at this this notion that you use game time as practice. As soon as you go into that mode, I think that in this league you can get beat. You know, 24-10 mm-hmm. is not, while it may look or feel insurmountable, in this league that can evaporate in a hurry. I sense and a butt. I sense a butt, though. I will, just, I will just tell you that the best way to work on becoming a more explosive passing team is by to dominate in the run game. That's the truth. Unless you've got above the X's and O's, quarterbacks and wide receivers, you're not going to all of a sudden develop an explosive passing game or develop a passing game that is going to become something other than than what it is. Right. Especially in week 14, do, Joel. Especially in week you, 14. There's no doubt. What you can do is that you can force defensive looks through other strengths of your team 
that give you an advantage throwing the ball with that average passing game. So now the average passing game, because of the defensive looks, because of what they have to commit resources to stop, becomes much better. So I'm going to have to side with Stink here. Yeah, I, here's the thing, that, and I appreciate that, Shocking. but I know we got to roll, but this is the thing that blows <laughs> me away, is that how many years did you work with Mike? It was only like one and a half. Yeah. Like, so let's just give it two. Sure. Year and let's half, give it a two years, like was. a two-year round. Fun. We're rounding up to two. So two years with you and six years with me. And the giant head that he has, he still doesn't know anything about football. It just <laughs> it blows me. It blows me away with all that headspace that you can't learn about football. Joel, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Joel. You guys are the best. I'll talk to you later. There he goes. Joel Clatt. Presented by Audi Flatirons. Somebody asked real quick. Hey, guys, before you wrap it up for Christmas with Joel, can you get him to do Grinch as read by Harry Carey? <laughs> we haven't got He hasn't done a Harry Carey for us oh, in a while. Yeah, we got to do that. Yeah. All right, as always, a uh, lot to unpack with Joel, and we'll visit with our fan Nuggets insider, Matt Moore, next. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com. 